Good morning, everybody. How are you guys doing? Hanging in there? It's good to be back together. I can promise you you're going to hear a great sermon because uh, the past couple of weeks we were getting ready for Confirmation Sunday and Terry, Terry said, you know, it's Confirmation Sunday, so we've got to do the confirmation process. The choir and orchestra are going to do a piece. Josh is going to be here, so you have three and a half minutes. Um, so, you know, it should, it should be good. I think you guys might enjoy this one more than, more than usual, I think. Um, if, you don't, if you don't know who I am, my name is Sean, and I'm one of the pastors here. I have the privilege of working with our teenagers, and I've had the privilege of working with these confirmation students throughout um, this entire semester and throughout um, their, their faith journeys, and, and I know that I'm excited to be alongside of them through the rest of their faith journey, right, because it, is, it isn't the end today. This is just the beginning. And we're going to be finishing up um, our sermon series called Identity Crisis today. And we've kind of been going through the series and we talked about maybe who the world thinks we are as Christians or what the world thinks that word Christian means. And then we talked about who we really are and who Christ says that we are in our identity and where our identity should come from. And then we talked about, you know, what do we do about that? What do we do as Christians knowing what our identity really is? And so this week we're going to be talking about how we do it. And we're going to be talking about the church. And so it kind of got me thinking about, you know, the identity of the church and what the identity of the church is. And, and maybe you've heard phrases like, you know, I love Jesus, but I don't love the church. Maybe you've heard a phrase like, you know, I, I didn't really get anything out of that worship service. I don't know if I'll be back. I didn't really get anything out of it. Or maybe you heard, you know, I'm a Christian, but I just, you know, I just don't really practice. I don't really see the practicality of going to church. It doesn't seem like it's necessary. It's a very personal thing for me. It's my own personal faith, so I don't really need the church. And I think that these popular sentiments are actually harmful to our true identities as Christians, because they're not our true identity anyway. What we're going to learn today is that Christian identity is about we, not me. But before we get going, I was hoping that we could, we could pray for our, over our time together. God, we all come into this place this morning placing our identity in something. No matter what it is, if it isn't you, it isn't true. God, I pray that we would find our identity in you today, tomorrow, and for the rest of our lives. I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart would be acceptable in your sight, that we can leave this place loving you and loving each other a little bit more. Amen. Uh, there are a few things in the world that I love more than music, which makes me very blessed to be able to work at this church, because I think in the traditional service and the modern service, we do music about better than anybody uh, that I've been around, and so, you know, I thank, thank, thank God for that, and thank you, Josh, for being here today, too, and blessing us in a whole new way. I just love music, and I grew up being exposed to all different kinds of music, and you can catch me listening to just about anything, country, hip-hop, rock, worship music, I love worship music as well. Uh, you know, Jimmy Buffett, crooners, oldies, I love all of it. Uh, you know, as long as no one's screaming or yodeling into the microphone, I'm generally pretty okay with that style of music. Uh, my car has satellite radio in it right now, and I've got like 43 presets, and I can't listen to all of them at the same time, which frustrates me a little bit. And I just grew up loving music and being exposed to all different types of music, and I appreciate all different types of music, and so I'm thankful to my family for, um, for, for raising me in that way that I was exposed to so much type of art. And so if you're like, you know, you're probably thinking, and I, I know what you're thinking, which is if you love music so much, how come you don't play in our modern worship band, or you don't, you know, you don't sing with the choir, or anything like that? Um, 
Have you guys heard them before? They're really good. Like, they're, like, really good. And uh, I, wasn't, uh, I wasn't genetically blessed musically. Uh, I was genetically blessed to appreciate different types of music, but not to participate in different types of music. Uh, you know, I grew up in the church, and so I was in every kid's choir growing up, which I didn't know it at the time, but did you know they let just anybody do that? It's not like a, it's not like a talent-based thing. You just kind of have to show up. Apparently, it's about the experience more than the talent. I really didn't know that and so I, I grew up in the church of just loving music and, and, and doing music in the church and so I have an appreciation of that now and um, definitely more of a no, more knowledge of music now that I hang out with Tim and those guys a little bit more often and Stephen and Mary it's just music is everywhere around this place and so I kind of grew up thinking okay well I don't have a good voice I knew people who had good voices and some people are just blessed in that way and so they sing and it's terrific and if they get really lucky they find somebody else who has a really good voice or a couple of other people who have a really good voice and they can get together and they can sing and it makes some beautiful music and you know I just thought that everybody you know some people were just lucky to have their voices sound really good together and then I got a little bit older and I heard this word harmony have you guys heard that word before I didn't really know that word or what it meant I kind of just thought you go up there and everybody sings and it sounds really pretty and you know if they're up with the right people then it, then it sounds even better but apparently, like, singers change their tone, you know, if they're singing harmony versus a melody, right? We change our tone, but they change their tone to accomplish the same goal. Those singing harmony and those singing melody are trying to accomplish the same goal, which is to create something more beautiful, that it requires the melody and the harmony together to create. See, if somebody's just singing melody, if somebody's just singing lead, and we have a whole group of people that are just singing lead, it might sound okay, but it's not going to sound as full, it's not going to sound as beautiful, it's not going to sound as complete. And I think the church is the same way. I think God desires harmony, and God built the church and designed the church around harmony, which means that we are designed to complement one another. But it takes our presence, it takes community to have harmony. You can't have harmony by yourself. You can't harmonize by yourself. It's impossible. That's the way that God made us, and that's the way that God wants us, and that's the way that we need it. That's our identity. That's how we're created. That's what the body of Christ is all about, and we see evidence of that in our scripture reading today, which um, Riley read so beautifully. Thank you for doing that. 1 Corinthians 12 says, as it is, there are many parts, but one body, so the eye can't say to the hand, I don't need you. Or in turn, the head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. If one part suffers, all parts suffer with it. You are the body of Christ and parts of each other. So what does this mean for the church? Like harmony, you know, we're a body, we're a unit, like I kind of get it. But what does it actually mean for us? I think it means that when we boil our relationship with the church down to the pleasantries of hearing the beautiful music and coming when it's convenient or when it's really nice outside or my kid just wanted to, you know, was actually willing to get out of bed that morning or whatever the situation is. If we boil our relationship down to our convenience and our consumption, we're missing the point. We're missing the point and we're not being the body of Christ at all. We're removing the body of Christ from the throne and placing ourselves on the throne, finding our identity in me instead of we. Amen. When we want to associate ourselves with the person of Jesus, and we say we follow the person of Jesus, but we don't associate ourselves with the body of Christ, other followers of Christ, 
We're denying the very Jesus Christ that we say we believe in. Because Jesus says, you can't do it on your own. Because my fullness is found in your fullness, which does not exist by yourself. When we believe the lie that we can be Christian apart from the church, we deny the very Christ that we say that we believe in. 1 Corinthians 12 verse 12 says that Christ is just like the body that we just read about. The church is the kingdom of God on earth. We can't separate ourselves from that. By being Christian, we are very much a part of that. There's no separation between those things. It's impossible. No matter what we say. There's a couple of problems with proclaiming to be a Christ follower without being a committed part of the church. The first is that we just mentioned. We say we, say we follow Jesus, but then Jesus says, do this to follow me, and we don't do that. The second is that it's actually impossible to do that. It's impossible. The passage says the hand can't say that it isn't an ear, and so it isn't a part of the body. The hand can't just magically decide that it's going to stop being a part of the body. It doesn't, for that reason, Paul says, cease to be part of the body. As a Christian, you're a part of the body. You're a part of Christ's body. But as a part of that body, if you are not choosing to live harmoniously with the other parts of the body and doing your part that Christ has called you to do, something important is missing. When we choose to prioritize things of the world over our walk with Jesus and consequently the body of Christ, the whole body suffers. When we choose to not be present in and with the church, whether it's on Sundays or whether it's at worship in the park, or whether it's in all the different functions we have here at Salem, we're telling our faith, we're telling ourselves, we're telling our God that our faith is all about me. And it's not about we. But Jesus says, it is about we. It's not about you. It's bigger than you. It's bigger than that. Christian faith says we, not me, right? When my kid is just not cooperating, we'll just we'll skip this week and we'll catch it next time when our sports schedules get in the way, when maybe we just need a day to sleep in or it's raining outside and, you know, I don't know, maybe I've got to fill up the gas tank before I get to service and that's just going to add another 10 minutes on the trip and I don't know about that. We're skipping out on being a part of the body of Christ. But at the same time, if we come to church only to consume, and we're here and we're present with the body of Christ, but we have not the thought in the world of the people who are around us. We have the thought in the world of me and how can I be entertained and how can I, how can I consume here. We're missing the point there just as much as if we didn't show up at all. When we do that, we're intentionally singing out of tune. We're singing the wrong part instead of singing our harmonies that Christ has called us to sing. Or to liken it to the metaphor of Paul. If we're the kidney and we decide not to work, there's going to be some severe ramifications. If the kidney decides it's going to work whenever it feels like it and it's going to show up whenever it feels like it, you're probably going to have a problem in your body. You're going to have some serious problems. So maybe you're thinking, you know, I, I don't know, Sean, I feel like, you know, I come on Sundays and worship is great and, and it's good, but when I'm not here, you know, they're still, still going to have music, we're still going to have a sermon, where people are going to be transformed, that'll be great. You're not wrong in any of that. That's going to happen. Terry and I will still be here and we'll still have awesome music all around the Church of Salem and lives are going to be transformed. But if you're not here, yours won't. And when yours isn't, 
the body of Christ creates a huge gap, a huge hole that we're missing because you're not here a part of the communal body of Christ as, as, as Christ calls you to be. You miss out on an opportunity to encounter Jesus in a way that is only offered in communal worship. It's only offered in communal worship. Now, what, how, how's that true? You say that I can worship Jesus anywhere. Terry and I would both tell you that. Absolutely, you can. But we experience Christ in his most fullness when we are in our most fullness. We experience Christ in his most fullness when we are in our most fullness, which is together, not alone. When we are together, physically, spiritually, in harmony and union with one another, we experience Christ in his most fullness. So instead of viewing missing worship or missing an opportunity to be in community as, oh, they, you know, they won't miss me. It's still going to happen. It'll still be great. Think of it as, what am I missing? What is, what is the kingdom of God missing by me not having the opportunity to encounter Jesus to be transformed today? What hole is going to be missing because I haven't encountered Jesus today? with his community, in his body of Christ. Because there's going to be a hole, there's going to be something missing, and Christ is calling you to fill that hole. Just like the fingers are different from the toes, and they have different functions, and the knee is different than the elbow, it has different functions. God has a function for you, and he's created you specifically the way you are to fill one of those holes. But if we're not together in harmony with one another, we're not filling those holes. That's what a we-dentity is all about. Instead of an identity, a Christian practices a we-dentity. That's about we and not me. We complement and harmonize with one another for the sake of the transformational power of the gospel. But if I'm trying to do things on my own, and I prioritize my life and the things of this world over my relationship with Jesus and over the body of Christ... Our lives won't be transformed and there's going to be a hole missing in the kingdom of God that God has prepared you to fill. God has given you the gifts to fill. God has put you in a position in your life right now to fill a specific hole that you can only fill right now. And if we don't encounter God, we're not going to know what that is and we're not going to be able to be here to fill it. There's an impact in the world today for Christ that only you can make. But it takes harmony for us to get there. We can't have harmony on our own. It takes a collection to harmonize. I pray that we can replace our identity with a we's entity, knowing that we were put on this earth to be about we and not me. And all God's people agreed and said, Amen. Amen.